Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. Thank you everybody for joining in with us as we took some communion and worshiped together today. We trust that you're already encouraged But it is my privilege uh, to be able to encourage you just in some thoughts around Jesus. Just want to take a few minutes to think about his life, to think about what he did for us, and to help us just to galvanize in our own hearts to, to really begin to understand the depth of just how amazing Jesus is and what he has done for us. And in a time like we're in in our world right now, we know that there are a lot of people that are unsure about the heart of God, unsure about the presence of God, the providence of God, the involvement of God. Does he really care? Is he really involved? Um, and, and, and is he seeing what is happening in my life right now? Does he understand the stress, the anxiety, the, the fear, um, the hardships that I'm going through um, in this time and that our world is going through collectively? What is the heart of God? That's what we've been looking at as a church and as a community on these services that we've been streaming. We've been asking the question, what is God's heart? We've been doing the series called To Know the Heart of God. And I want to carry on in that today. Obviously, here we're on Good Friday, the most significant day in history. This is the day that Jesus gave his life so that we could be made new, that he offered it all because of his great love with which he loved us. Um, and, and, and you might be listening to this going, you know, I'm not so big into all that, the Son of God stuff, and, and, and I don't really know if I'm the religious type. I'm, I don't really know if this kind of stuff appeals to me in any way or speaks to me in any way. And I want to ask you just to hang on for a minute, just to, just to go on a journey with us this morning and allow God to speak to your heart. I want to invite you to consider something for a moment, even though you may not care about God, even though you may not even be sure whether or not He exists, I want you to consider the fact that God's heart towards you does not change regardless of how you feel about Him. He loves you, He cares about you, and He believes in you and in what He has for your life, even if you don't believe in Him. And and that's really the beauty of the message that we share every Easter and every Sunday. That is our message, is that is that even when we reject God, even when we were in the midst of rejecting Him, even when we were rebelling against Him, He loved us so much that He sent His only Son for us anyways. And He chose to die for us knowing that many would choose not to accept that sacrifice that He had made for us on the cross. And so that is really the heart of God. You may not care about Him, but I can promise you this morning that He cares about you so much so that he died for you. And that is something that no philosophy or religious idea in the world can even come close to. That God himself, the creator, didn't sit far away and say, now I want you guys to sort yourselves out, but that he came to be with his creation and ultimately subjected himself to death, even death on a cross. And that's because Christianity is primarily, is not primary, a religion. The reason why we know this good news is because the message of Christianity, the message of the Bible is not a religious message. It's about a person. It's a person called Jesus. 
It's a person that died for you and for me. And so our heart at Anchor Church and, and what we believe the message of the gospel is, is that it is always about Jesus, that it's always only about Jesus, and that we're made right with God, not because we're good enough, but because God did everything necessary on this Good Friday to make you and I reunited with him, to cause us to become reunited with him. Romans 5 verse 8 says this. It says, God demonstrates. He shows. He puts on show. He, he reveals. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. How does God show us his love? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the message of Easter. While we were sinners, he died for us. We're doing this series called To Know the Heart of God, and, and we believe that you can know the heart of God by looking at Jesus in the Gospels, by seeing the life that he lived and the death that he died on the cross. Um, we begin to understand the beauty of God's heart and love for each of us. Jesus said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen my life, if you've, if you've heard my teachings, if you've witnessed my death on the cross and my resurrection and everything that my life encapsulated, you will know the heart of the Father. And so we said this last week that there is no greater statement about who God is than the life of Jesus. It tells us in Hebrews that he was the exact imprint of the nature of God, the express image of the Father. So when we see Jesus, when we see his sacrifice in his life, we know who God is. I want to tell you this morning that you can know and that you can trust in the heart of God for you. In both the book of Ezekiel and Revelation, it tells us about these four creatures that are around the throne. And many scholars believe that these four creatures represent the four different perspectives of Jesus shared in the four gospels of Jesus that we have right in the beginning of the New Testament. And uh, around the throne, you have, for example, a lion uh, that represents Jesus as the king. That's Matthew. Matthew understood that Jesus was the king. You have uh, the ox, which was what we covered last week, Jesus as the servant that came to give his life as ransom for many. You've got, you've, you've got Jesus as, as the, the eagle and as the man. The man, Jesus, uh, the book of Luke, his humanity. And then the eagle is what I want to look at Today, on Good Friday, Jesus, as the eagle that was the expression of his nature uh, and, and his gospel and his story um, that came through the Apostle John. So today we're in the book of John, and I want to encourage you uh, to turn to the book of John if you have Bibles with you, if you have your Bible app. If you're, you can't, you see, this is where you need real Bibles, because you can't scroll on your phone to the Bible app and watch at the same time if you're watching on your phone. I've been telling you guys for years, you're going to need some real Bibles. And so hopefully you've got a real Bible around. And if you don't, if you're able to scroll on your phones or on your digital devices, you can go ahead and do that right now. Um, but we're going to be in the book of John. And what I love about the book of John, I love, first of all, the relationship, the understanding that John had with Jesus. He knew God's heart. In fact, many times in his gospel, he refers to himself as the apostle whom Jesus loved. That was his revelation, that God loved him. And that's why he had such incredible knowledge of who God is, because God is love. And when you know his love, you know him. You know him deeper and deeper. And so John had this special, this, this genuine, this authentic relationship with Jesus and, and knew his love in that way. 
But John sees Jesus as an eagle. And the reason why he sees him as, as an eagle, it's, I think it's significant that every other gospel involves a land animal or a human. So, it, you know, the, the lion, the ox, the human, we're all kind of earthbound beasts, if I can call it that. But John is the one that sees Jesus as an eagle, representing the fact that he came from heaven, representing the fact that he is divine, that he is God, that he is the Messiah. John sees Jesus as God's son sent from heaven, come to die for us and shows that Jesus is the Messiah, divine, heavenly. And so this is how John begins his gospel to describe that. Um, in John 1 verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, word there is with a capital W. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What a beautiful prologue to his gospel. He starts off by saying, this God, this Jesus, this one that died on the cross for us, he is God. He was God. He'll always be God. He came down to earth to be with us. Through him, all things that exist were made. And yet he came to be with us. When it speaks about the word there, that the Greek word is logos, which is a thought about God or, a, or something that is spoken about God. And, and this, this is where we get our word theology, theos, logos, um, you know, to have thoughts or words about God. But what it's telling us here, and again, this comes back to the fact that Jesus shows us the heart of God, is that Jesus is God's self-declaration. He is the only word about God we ever need. He is everything God has ever wanted to say. Jesus is God's self-declaration and self-revelation to the world. This is who I am. And that is the beauty of the life of Jesus. And, and what do we find in Jesus? What did he bring us? He brought us life and light. The light of God, the truth of God shines into our lives. John goes on in verse 14. It says that the word became flesh. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. What, what did we see when we saw him? When the lights went on, what did we see? We saw that he was full of grace and truth. For from his fullness, what did we receive? Grace upon grace. How beautiful. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And here it says exactly what we've been saying in this series so far. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Nobody knew God. Nobody understood God. Nobody saw God and understood his heart. But through the life of Jesus, we know him, we see him. And we can trust in his heart. He has made him known. And so here on Good Friday, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. You can know who God is. You can know what he's like. You can know the heart of God. What did we receive? What do you get when you see God? You get grace upon grace. That's what God gives to rebels 
like us. That's grace too. It's the face that love wears when it meets our imperfection. And so God has grace for you this morning, no matter who you are. He wants to establish your life in the truth of who he is. He wants to, he wants to show you who he is. Not rules to follow, not uh, principles to apply, not tasks to complete, but being rooted and grounded in his love that we would know him and be known by him. God wants a real relationship with you. In Matthew 4, verse 16, it says something um, that I feel is such a great compliment to this. It says, those who sat in darkness, and by the way, this is, a, this is um, Matthew that's quoting a scripture out of the prophet Isaiah. But he says, those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a great light or a light has dawned. And I always feel like as South Africans, we have great context for this. <laughs> for those of you that don't live in South Africa, a couple of years ago, um, our, our country just ran out of the ability to keep up with our energy demands. As cities were growing and the, the pressure on the electricity grid just grew day by day, uh, the, the, the government and the, and the entity that provides electricity in our country was no longer able to keep up with the demand. And so as a result, they started implementing load shedding, which is almost like a swear word in South Africa when you mention load shedding because of the pain and the suffering that it has caused us. You know, when you're trying to get your kids to school early on, you know, a Monday morning and all the traffic lights are out as a result of load shedding, you know, that is when you pray that Jesus gives you the patience to endure. Um, but we, so, so as South Africans, we all have context for this idea of sitting in darkness because, you know, many times I'll have plans for the evening. I think, hey, I'll watch a movie with my wife or I'll get some reading done or, you know, whatever. Maybe I'll just, I'll just hang out in the house a little bit or do whatever. And I might have some plans of, of things that I'd like to do. Maybe you're ready to cook dinner or, you, you know, you're wanting to get ready to go out or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, while you're sitting there, the lights go out. And, you know, it's, it's so, it, no matter how many times it happens, it always catches you off guard. It's so unceremonious the way that it goes off. You know, there's no countdown. There's no warning. It's just, I'm having a great life. I'm getting on with the things that I want to do. And then all of a sudden, bam, the lights are gone. And whenever that happens, whenever the lights go off, <laughs> there's not, not much you can do immediately, right? You can't jump up and fix the situation. You can't. So, so many times when the lights have gone out, I just kind of sit there. You know, I don't know if I'm lamenting. I don't know if I'm, if I'm sorrowful. You know, I don't really know what I'm doing. But it's almost like for a little bit, you're like, I don't know what to do right now other than just sit here. It's dangerous to walk around. I might trip over something. There's nothing I can do to fix the situation. And so I'm just going to sit here for a while and soak in the darkness. <laughs> and so, you know, whenever I read that scripture about those uh, who sat in darkness, I kind of think about me immediately after the lights are going to go out, because what else am I going to do right now? Isn't it amazing if we think about light for a moment, the, the fact that the presence of light is what gives us the ability to see. That without light, you know, when the lights go off, when, when load shedding happens and you sit in the darkness, there's nothing wrong with your eyes. There's nothing wrong with your brain. There's nothing wrong with your body's ability to see except that there's no light to illuminate that which is to be seen. Without light, we cannot see. So without light, there's really no hope. We cancel all our plans and we just sit down and 
And in that moment, we realize there's nothing we can do. And that's what this verse in Isaiah and in Matthew always sound like to me. They sat in darkness. They just sat. There's nothing they could do to help themselves. There's nothing they could do to, to there's no effort that they could muster up in order to, to make the lights come on, in order to bring them out of the desperation of this situation. The people in Jesus' time and the people today, every single soul that has ever lived, has needed a savior. It's something beyond what we can do for ourselves. We need the light of God to shine into our lives. And so what John is telling us is that Jesus arrived to be the bringer of that light. When the lights went back on, what did we see? We saw God. What was he like? He was full of grace and truth. And so we are saved by grace. We are saved. That's why it says here, laws came through Moses, but Moses did not put the lights on. Moses was not the light of the world. It was Jesus. And it was through his grace and the truth of his love that we are made right with God and that we are able to see. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Listen to how Paul unpacks this a little bit later on in the Bible, in the book of Romans. In Romans 3 verse 20, it says, For by the works, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. No human can be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin, but now, but now, but now, we have seen a great light, but now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. In other words, what that scripture is saying is that the only thing that, that the law could ever do was make us aware of our inability to keep it aware of our own sinfulness. It made us aware of the darkness. It showed us how little we can see. And so if you've tried really hard to be good, that's when you'll realize that you aren't, when you, when you failed over and over again. And it's in that moment that you surrender and you say, I need Jesus. I need his righteousness imputed to my life. So righteousness, for those of you watching, wondering what this word really means, it just simply means to be made right with God. And so for your life to be right with God, for you to have a relationship with him, for you to have no shame, no condemnation, no judgment in his presence, but just to enjoy God, it comes through this gift given to us by Jesus through the cross. That's why Good Friday is so amazing. And this is how we're changed. This is how we receive freedom from sin, freedom from, from addiction, freedom from the things that we struggle with. This is how we are truly set free. In Romans 6.14, it says, sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. God's grace has set you free from sin. So we get to have this relationship with God. God's grace had set us free from things that following the law could never set us free from. See, this is not modifying your behavior. It's being made new. It's powerful. You, you, you're not just changing your life from the outside. You're receiving a new life. It's an exchanged life where God's life becomes your life. And I know this is, this is so important because so many people have tried to be better. For many years, I just kept trying and I was, thought if I just put as much willpower as possible, I can be better. 
And I found that I couldn't. I kept stumbling in the same areas. I kept struggling with the same thoughts. I kept repeating the same mistakes. And I realized I can't overcome these habits. I can't overcome these addictions. I can't overcome these sins. And if you're thinking that, you're right. You can't. But by the grace of God, by the presence of Jesus, transforming you from the inside out, you truly can be free. This is the light that shines, this light that Jesus came to bring for us on Good Friday. He didn't encourage us. He didn't come to encourage us. Hey, guys, just try a little harder. Just swim a little faster. Just jump a little higher. You know, he didn't just come and try and teach good lessons of morality. And if you try really hard, maybe God can accept you. No, he came to die for us so that we could receive his life. He died the death that we deserved so that we could live the life we could never have deserved. So it's about a living in this exchanged life. Some of you may be watching and saying, you know, I wish people would stop bothering me with this Jesus stuff. And, and this, you know, this is not my problem. This is not my, I think I'm fine. I'm doing good. I don't need to become religious in order to be a good person. And many people say, I don't understand the relevance of a man who was a good moral teacher who died 2,000 years ago on my life today. Look, I've got enough problems of my own. I've got enough things to worry about to now also have to worry about, you know, having to try and keep all these rules that this Jesus person instituted, right? And some of you may feel that way. Um, but in this whole process of that day, so if I just can go for a moment, I want to end off on this. If I can go to the day that Jesus died on the cross, this Good Friday day, and we see that, that people kind of had a very similar attitude towards Jesus. Like, this is not my problem. They were lining the streets. They were watching Jesus go by. He was being whipped and beaten. He was carrying the cross. Um, they were mocking him, it says. They were spitting on him. They were laughing at his frailty. If nothing else, this was a little bit of, uh, of, of some entertainment over the Passover weekend for many of these people. They stood by saying, this is not our problem. I want to read you a verse from Luke 23, verse 35 to 39. It says this, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him saying, he saved others. Come, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And so Jesus is facing this mockery and this insult from every quarter of society. The rulers are scoffing at him, saying, come on, apparently you've saved others. Save yourself. You're not our problem. The soldiers mocked him, saying, come on, have a, have a drink. Save yourself. This is not our problem. Even one of the criminals literally dying on the cross next to him says, hey, if you are the Christ, if you're such a great guy, if you're the son of God, why don't you save yourself and us? Come on, apparently you saved others, so now you can save us as well. But as I was reading this passage, I carried on reading in Luke 23, and I saw something there that I've probably read, I don't know how many times before, but all of a sudden it just stood out to me. And I don't know if, you've ever, if that's ever happened to you when you're reading the Bible, and you're like, why did I never see this before? Because we see how all of these people from every quarter of society are jeering, mocking, and cursing Jesus, laughing at his nakedness. I mean, Luke 23, 44 says, It was now about the sixth hour, 
and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed, I love it, when Jesus dies, the light fails. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his loss. They're all mocking Jesus um, and, and, and they're watching him die on the cross. John tells us that through Jesus, here now the creator of heaven and earth, hanging on a cross, moments from death, that through his death, it sends such ripples throughout the universe that darkness covers the land. Without Jesus, there's darkness. And in that moment, what we understand is that upon his shoulders in that moment, he had the collective sin of every human being in history, of all the ages that have passed and all the ages that are to come, including your sin, including my sin, including our mistakes, our shame, our, you know, the things that we had done that were, that were disobedient towards the truth of God. He takes all of that, the sins of the crowd watching him in that moment, the sins of the rulers that scoffed at him, the sins of the, shoulder, the, the soldiers that pierced his hands and feet as they nailed him to the cross, the sins of the criminals hanging on either side of him and railing him. He carries all of it. In 1 John 2 verse 2, it says, He himself is the atoning sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. That's what Jesus did. He was dying for the very people that were mocking him. For the very people that said, this is not my problem. This is not my deal. I'm not a religious person. You may say that, but yet he died for you. Yet he gave his own life so that you can be made new. Jesus becomes in a moment the sacrifice for our sins. And worst of all, we don't even realize it. We think that it's still his deal. It's what happened 2,000 years ago. It's got nothing to do with us. Until Jesus breathes his last in our place. Then something amazing happens. And this is the one thing that I saw that just blew my mind. In Luke 23 verse 47, it says, Now... When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, surely this man was innocent. They watched how Jesus died. Surely he was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, listen to this, they returned home beating their chests. What, what happened here? How did they go from, from mean-spirited, vengeful people spitting and mocking Jesus to people that are beating their chests with sorrow? There's a story that Jesus tells about a Pharisee that is praying alongside a sinner. And the Pharisee says, thank you, God, that I'm not like this sinner. Thank you that I tithe and I do what I need to do and I'm a good person and I'm not like this man. He's self-righteous. But the man is beating his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In other words, what happened to the people on this day when they watched Jesus die in their place, when they recognized 
that what Jesus did on the cross, He didn't just do for the sins of the whole world, but He did it for them. When it became personal, when it became real, all of a sudden they beat their chest. They said, God, you did that for me. They were filled with sorrow at the death of Jesus. And it's the beginning of repentance to turn your life around, to turn to God, to say, God, I repent. I want to change my life. I want to receive what Jesus has done for me. It's, it happens the moment you understand that Jesus died for you. Do you understand that today? Do you understand that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you? He died for you. That all, all the, the beating, the mocking, and the judgment that he experienced, he took on your behalf. You see, Jesus didn't just die on the cross for you. He died on the cross as you. And as, as Jesus carried his cross, as he was going to the cross, they all shouted, save yourself, save yourself, save yourself. And I can imagine that Jesus was thinking, no, because I'm saving you, because I'm dying for you. The moment you realize that, light enters into your life. Redemption comes to you. Salvation enters your home. You go from being under the law, condemned, to being under his grace, redeemed. You begin to understand the heart of God. No wonder they call him Savior. No wonder. Jesus is so good and his heart is for you. He died for you. There's nothing more you need to do in order to be right with God other than putting your faith in Jesus today. So I want to go ahead and pray for us today and trust that for those of you putting your faith and, and God sees every heart, if you truly believe that Jesus died for you, and you declare that today, and I'm going to lead you in this prayer. If you pray this prayer with me, I truly believe that he will enter into your life, redeem you, and, and create. The Bible says you become a new creation. And all the things that you struggled with in the past, you will watch and see how God gives you liberty in every one of those areas. So let's go ahead and pray.